Lord, we ask you just to bless this time as we continue in the book of Revelation. I ask that you lead and guide in all that we, we see in this. And we just thank you for your spirit's leading in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Revelation chapter 22, starting in verse 14. Blessed are they that do his commandments, and that they may have the right to the tree of life, and may enter in through the gates into the city. For without are dogs, and sorcerers, and whoremongers, and murderers, and idolaters, and whosoever loves and, and makes a lie. So we're going to stop there, because there's a lot just in that section that we're going to look at. Uh, so we're, we're wrapping things up. We've had the new Jerusalem come down, the new heaven and earth come show up. Uh, and Jesus is given the, the blessing of, of reading this. He's talked about don't seal up the prophecy, which we talked about being when Daniel saw the, the end times, he was told to seal the prophecy and not reveal it. And here uh, John is told to go ahead. Jesus said he's coming quickly. His reward's with us. We talked about the fact that quickly does not mean quickly the way we think of quickly. It means quickly in God's yeah. time frame, which quickly do as somebody who's eternal can be a very long time to us mortal beings and uh, and so we're looking at here blessed or happier they that do his commandments all through the new testament even though we are not under the law jesus says that we will be blessed and happy by following his commandments and he says those that love me will keep my commandments and Jesus' commandment, he gave two of them, was to love God with you, all your heart, soul, mind, and, and, and strength. And the second one was to love your neighbor as yourself, which were the two major commandments of the Old Testament. And he says in them are wrapped up all the commandments. You know, and this is true. If we love God with all of our strength, we're going we're gonna to do what pleases him. And that's not because we, we have to. And we've talked about this. I mean... It, we're not serving him and being obedient to him because we're getting brownie points or he's going to love us more. But we just want to love, serve him because we love him. And it's the same thing that happens when children love their parents and are trying to do what their parents have asked them to do, not because they're necessarily worried about being in trouble for not. You know, Sometimes that's the only reason they do it. But that ultimate is that they love them so much that they want to do what pleases their parents and or even a better example will be the the people that you know that are in love with each other they just can't do enough for the other one and we see that you know we see that and then they get married and they stop doing for each other but uh, but we see this here and he says blessed happy and there is a great happiness in obeying God there's number one there's just the idea that we're, we're being obedient but more importantly, there's not the punishment for being disobedient, okay? The reward for obedience is that pleasure, that, that joy. And we sit there and then we say, he's saying, blessed, happy are those that do his commandments. And it says, part of their blessing is they have the right to the tree of life and they enter through to the gates of the city, which city? Jerusalem, because that's what the, tech, the context here is. And I was thinking about the tree of life. The first see that we see the tree of life right from the very beginning. It was put in the garden. And if they had eaten from that tree, they would have continued living. And we see it in Revelation. We've seen it several times here in the last couple chapters of Revelation. It's the tree of life is in the midst of the river. And one one person said that it's probably got an island there that the tree's on. But and we and we look at this. So we I was thinking about what does the Bible say about the tree of life? So I looked up all the verses and I actually just printed them out for myself. In Genesis 2.9 it says, And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree in it that is pleasant to sight and good for the food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Okay, and this is what we're saying. The very first appearance is very early on in the scriptures. All right? The second time we see it is in Genesis 3:22, And the Lord said, Behold, man has become as one of us to know good and evil. And now lest he put his forth his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever, he cast them out. And then verse 24, he drove them out so they could not get to the tree of life. Okay, so we have the tree of life that they 
you know, it appears that they chose not to eat from the tree of life by the way it's formatted, okay? And they chose to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, all right? And that's the first sin, you know. It's kind of amazing that man had only one rule and they violated the one and only rule because, and we talked about this at one point, because they concentrated on what God said they couldn't have. How often do we do that? We concentrate on what God says we can't have rather than concentrating on all that he gives us. Now, Adam and Eve, if they had concentrated on all the trees they could eat from, yeah, and not that one. would never have been tempted to eat the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. Yep. And sometimes we do the same thing. We think of all the things God says not to do instead of all the things that we're allowed to do. And you know, how miserable do we get when we concentrate on all the things we can't, you know, the things, the few things that we can't do instead of all the things we can do. We'll even do this in our in our day-to-day -day walk. You know, we say, well, I've got all these things I can do, and yet we'll concentrate on everything that the law says we can't do, <laughs> and get irritated by the things, the few things that we can't do, or in the many in this day and age. But, but we, we end up with this problem, and God says we had the right to the tree of life. And then in Revelation, we see, we see the tree of life come into play on four different verses in Revelation. Um, Revelation 2.7, Jesus is talking to the church, and he says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him that overcomes, I will give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Okay? And what are overcomers? Does anybody remember? It was a long time ago we talked about it, but what's an overcomer? Does anybody remember what book defines overcomer? John chapter, 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. For whosoever is born of God overcometh the world, world and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcomes the world? But he that believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Any Christian is an overcomer. Okay? All Christians are overcomers. Okay? And I just I want to bring this out because too many people, especially when they read these verses in Revelation, they go, because he says, to the overcomer. Okay? And they go, well, see, you've got to strive real hard to be an overcomer. No, you go back to John's first previous writings that said an overcomer is anyone who believes in Jesus Christ, who then which that means is a Christian. All Christians are overcomers. Why? Because it's all a gift of grace. We are for by grace are you saved through faith and not of works, lest any man should boast. And all through there we're told everything about Christianity is grace. And all of our victory is grace. Our position in Christ is grace. Our position, the fact that we get to go to heaven is grace. The fact that we get all the rewards we're going to get in heaven is grace. And again, that goes back to the, what I keep sharing. We get rewarded for what we let God do through us. That's grace. Okay? We've got to understand everything about the Christian walk is really grace. If I think I have done any part of my victory or walk in Christ, I'm fooling myself. I grow because of his grace. He comes in and he crucifies my flesh, and he grows me because he fills me and his grace works out of me. You, you're, you're, you learn victory because of God's grace, because it doesn't, we're not condemned. So okay. overcomer would be easy for me. Overcomer is being a Christian. Is being a Christian. Yeah. He could have just as easily have said in those verses, he that is a Christian, a follower of mine, gets this reward. Okay? And we overcome to him. We, we, well, we overcome to him. Okay. I mean, no, no. As, yeah. as a Christian, I'm saying that's how, I'm, how okay. I can remember this. Yeah. So everything is by grace. Now, if we start realizing that everything in our life is a of any value with God is through grace, how is that going to change the way we deal with other people? Graceful. We're going to start dealing with them in grace. If I really truly understand that I don't do, I haven't done, I haven't done a thing in my life that deserves anything but punishment, 
I should be willing to give grace to others because I'm, my life is full of grace. And this is where we learn. We learn that we accept grace. If we think we have done other, anything, then we start judging people by how good we think we are and how much they don't live up to what we think they should live up to. And we lose sight of it, but it's all by grace. And the more I realize that, the more I can deal with people and love people and be forgiving of people and encourage them because of where they're at by grace. So we just want to emphasize that. It's all by grace that we live through this. Revelation 22.2, which we talked about a couple weeks ago. In the midst of the street of it, on either side of the river, there was the tree of life, which is... which bare twelve manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of nations. And this is in the new heaven and earth. And we talked a lot about the tree of life then, too. The, the leaves will be for healing, even in the millennial king, even in the new heaven and earth. There's some, something that it heals. Now, what it heals, we don't know. <laughs> okay, obviously not death, because there's no death in the new kingdom. Uh, and then in the one we just read, blessed are they that do his commandments, for they have the right to the tree of life. And then in Revelation twenty-two nineteen, it says, if any man shall take away the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life. That one I shouldn't have read. I didn't highlight it. <laughs> we talked about some translations being way, uh, way out there. My verse 14 says, blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life. Wow. Wash their robes. And actually that word literally means act right. Act right. <laughs> yeah. <coughs> you know, do is act right according to his commandments. So, and this is, this is a problem sometimes with some of these translations out there. And we've already discussed, you know, even, even for me, the King James has some places where it's not the strongest word, but, Unfortunately, some of the modern translations literally change the meanings of some of the words drastically. And this is one of the reasons why I encourage people to learn to use strong, the Strong's Concordance and stuff and find out what some of these words are that actually are there, especially if you see a huge divergence between translations. Uh, go find out what the real word, what the word means, and the best way is to go into the Strong's Concordance and then go to the lexicon in the back of the concordance. Does everybody realize that there's a dictionary at the back of the Strong's Concordance? It's got a little number on the side when you look at it and go to the back of the book, either the Hebrew or the Greek, and look up that number and it'll tell you what the Greek and Hebrew of that word means. So it's a, What version are you? I use the King James. King James? I use the King James, but I delete the old-fashioned words when I read it. So, and, uh, so it sounds like I'm reading a new King... New King, I, I read it the way the New King James says that it does. But the New King James made more changes than just taking out old language. So we have, and now, we're going to look at a couple. Proverbs has four statements of, that aren't talking about the literal tree of life, but they talk about how the tree of life ministers. Proverbs 3.18 says, She is a tree of life to them that hold upon her, and happy is every man that retaineth, retains her. And that's talking about wisdom. and Wisdom, applied knowledge, applying the word of God. And that gives a tree of life. It brings life to us. And that goes into this section in, uh, in uh, Revelation 22.2, that the leaves of the tree bring healing. God's word brings life. Uh, Proverbs 11.30 says, A fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. He that winneth souls is wise. Okay? By living with God and producing righteous fruit. Especially winning souls to Christ. Okay? But just living the way that God wants us to live. Have you ever gone through times and you've obeyed God and you had that feeling after obeying God that just was that pleasant, joyful, peaceful feeling. That is the, you know, because you know you're not in trouble with God. You know you're, you're being obedient to him. Especially you're not, you didn't do the wrong thing. You did the right thing. Especially when you were tempted to do the wrong yeah. thing and you did the right thing. It really, it really, it not, it's more than relief. It's more than relief. It's, it's a clear conscience. It's, it's a joyful it's life as opposed to that 
crushing fissure when you fail. Yeah, it really brings you as close as we can come to that feeling of when we first got saved and God lifted off the sin off of our of us and it just fell away and you had that joyfulness of I'm I'm clean I'm pure. It's something you can't express. It's, just it's hard. It's hard to hard, express. Yeah. And I like this word. It's it's life. It really is life. It's that spiritual life that's standing out in front of you and you truly are alive during those periods of time. And it's that fruit of righteousness that he's talk, that it's talking about. And it's wonderful when you do have those times yeah. when you've passed yeah. that test. And there is that just, or even better yet, when it doesn't even seem like a test. And you kind of look back on it and say, I used to fail that and now I didn't even notice that I got tempted. This is the importance that it is. God starts changing us, and after a while, we don't even seem to have problems in certain areas of our life. We'll always have areas in our life that we have problems with, and then when each one of those passes by, we'll have God will show us new things to have to work on. But it's wonderful when you look back over your life and say, this used to be a real problem in my life, and God has taken it away. Whatever that might be, and for everybody, it's gonna be something different. Or this was a place where I used to waste time and now it's gone. And especially good when you realize it's not even a test anymore. It's not even a trial. It's not even a thought. And that's the life. That's the life that he brings. In Proverbs 13, 12, it says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when desires come, it is a tree of life. And this is a very strong, uh, true proverb. You know, If people promise you to do something and they don't, and you, especially if you've counted on it, it leaves you kind of disappointed. Or if there's been this promise of something happening to you and it keeps getting pushed off, somebody, somebody wanting to be a millionaire and they never make it. You know, they, they're not. They're, you know, this is really funny, and I've seen people do this. Their, their, their desire is to be a millionaire and they never make it, but they make it to six or seven hundred thousand dollars, and they're not happy because they didn't hit that seventh digit and they and they get so disappointed and can't enjoy what they have. Well I always think when that happens like but there's reason for everything. Well that's from a Christian point of view. I mean well, that's how I think of But this can be not necessarily even with the with that I mean it could be almost anything. It could be anything that you don't quite reach and you end up that disappointed life and it's kind of an interesting thing because you can, you know, so often you didn't quite make the one target, but you got a lot of blessings in the process, but you're so focused on that one that you lose everything else. And it says, you know, but when a desire comes, sometimes it just means let's look at what we have. And this is, you know, we've talked about this. I love the song Count Your Blessings because it really focuses back on what has God done for us. And once we start looking at that and being content with what he's done, sometimes we set our goals so high that we can't be content because we feel God's got to do whatever it is we want him to do. And God has this habit of saying, I'm going to give you what you need, but not necessarily what you want. But you know, when we start learning contentment, he also starts giving us some of our wants as long as we've been content and stay content. And this is important for us to understand. If I stay content, Paul said, I've learned to be content with much and with little. And when we learn to be content with little, God will sometimes bless us with much, as long as we stay content. Uh, the problem is a lot of times when people get a lot, they start becoming discontented again. They didn't, you know, because they re refocus to a higher, I want more, I want more. We need to just learn to be content with whatever God gives us at the stake that he's given us. And if we stay content, we might be multi-billionaires to start keep giving to God, as long as I stay content and keep giving to him. And this is very important for us, to be able to, to give back to God and realize that he owns everything. He's just loaning us stuff that, you know, to use on this world. Interesting, you know, because people a lot of times will say things like, well, I can't afford to tithe or I don't want to tithe or why should I tithe, you know. They're not realizing that everything belongs to God and they're just getting to use it. We want to be, and believe me, and most of you have found that out in this room, the more you give to God, the more he gives back. And he just hands it back to us. What I have also seen is if we don't want to tithe, God will take the tithe anyway. And he'll, he'll arrange things to, to take the money from us. So it's, 
It's always been amazing to me over the years how whatever the 10% and more that I give, I can do more with the money left over having given him away than I could do in the days when I didn't give him. He, he always managed to you know, make it not last. I run out of money before I ran out of a month, and now usually I run out a month before I totally run out of money. Uh, it's usually real close, at it, but I you know, usually have a little bit in the bank at the end of the month. But God blesses. And if we open it up, everybody can tell their stories. We're not going to go there at this moment, but it's amazing how God just brings in what you need when you need it and blesses. So we look at what he's doing. Uh, verse th- uh, Proverbs 15, 4 says, A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perversion thereof is a breach in the spirit. We all have met people that it's just nice to be around because of the way they, they speak and edify. They build up. They make you feel good when you're around them, and they build up that life. Okay, now these, the Proverbs truly aren't the tree of life, but they are part of what the tree of life represents. Okay, edification, building up, love, healing. And so we, wanted, we just wanted to bring those out. The power of God's word. You know, I, the more I look into this, the more I'm kind of believing that Jesus is the tree of life as well. He's going to be the river of life. He's going to be the tree of life. He's going to be the one that brings life all of eternity because he is life. God is life. And without God, there is no life. And we want to understand that. You know, the penalty for the eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was death. Now, physical death followed, but it was not the worst part of their death. The worst part of their death was the spiritual death where they were separated from God. And, you know, and it just amazes me they were able to walk with God and be taught by Him every, every day. You know, can you imagine what that would be like? Able to walk and talk with God in the cool of the evening. And I'm sure He taught them things. I'm, I'm sure it just wasn't just chit-chat. You know, it, was, it was some pretty deep things that they probably learned. And, they, and that was lost in just a second. Jesus on the cross experienced that loss. When he became sin and the father had to turn his back on the son. And that was the penalty that he chose to pay for our sin. He took the beating and everything, but you know, and that was bad. You know, but I'm, I'm not going to belittle the, the pain of the beating and the cross. But the real pain for him was when the father had to turn his back and reject him. All of eternity they had been together. And we can't comprehend that. And for a very brief period of time, they were separated. And then the second half of it, that they may enter in through the gates into the city. So we have permission to go into the new Jerusalem as his servants. And then we get this very strange statement that we dealt with a couple weeks ago as well. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever love, uh, loves and makes a lie. Loves lies. Whoremongers, and, and what was that again? Whoremongers, those are people that do evil. Okay. You know, they're um, intentionally give falsehoods. Uh, it includes sexual, sexual uh Fornication and intercourse, it's, you know, it's bad people, basically, is a good answer. So this is outside of, the, outside of there is all of this evil. This goes back to Revelation 21.8, which we dealt with. Uh, I, I tend to believe that he's saying we've got heaven, we've got the heaven, and there, hell is still there. I mean, the lake of fire, the brimstone is still in existence. This is... Because Satan and his demons are cast into the lake of fire at the white throne judgment, and all those who reject Jesus Christ are thrown in to the lake of fire. There is a place, even in the new heaven and earth scenario, that there is a hell somewhere in that, somewhere in some dimension out there, there will be hell or the lake of fire. And this is, as harsh as it is for people to to grab hold of, hell is eternal. When God allows us to be born, we are eternal beings. We have either eternal life with God or an eternal death without him. 
and that eternal and that eternity is in punishment. Punishment that we can't even fathom. But if we can just start getting a glimpse of the horror of hell and the length of time that hell will last, it should motivate us to witness to family and friends at least. Now, should motivate us to witness to everybody, but it really should motivate us to, to talk to family and friends because hopefully we love our family and friends and want to spend eternity with them. But even at that, the alternative is awful. And there's no way that we should wish anybody to go to hell. God doesn't want anybody to go to hell. He doesn't want them to be rejected. He's just giving them what they want and what they asked for when he does, when they stand before him and said, you rejected my son. I'm going to give you what you wanted. And this is critical. We've got to understand this is those who practice and live in an active lifestyle of evil are going to go to hell. Those who've rejected Christ, their sins will be <coughs> counted against them, even though they were paid for. They reject Christ and they're gonna go, they're gonna spend eternity outside of God, knowing that it's their fault. And their conscience will burn, you know, their conscience alone will be the worst part of it. I mean, this goes again, Jesus, the hardest part of his suffering was when the Father turned his back. The hardest part for the people going to hell is going to be to know that they they're turned. there because of their decisions. They turned their back. They turned their back. They made a decision to be where they are, and that will be their, I mean, it'll be bad enough. The, the lake of fire burning and all of that is, is going to be bad. There's going to be pain. They're going to feel the pain. And how do we know that? Because we go to... Jesus, when he told the story of Lazarus and the rich man, and the rich man looked up from hell in pain and torment and said, Father Abraham, can I just have a drop of water? Okay, he was so thirsty, so much in pain that he wanted a drop of water. Not even, not even a cup. He didn't ask for a cup or a barrel. He just said even a drop of water will be a blessing. And if you've ever been thirsty, you know that a drop of water doesn't do much good. But we know, and that's eternal, that pain, that suffering. The, the, rich, the rich man was aware of his surroundings. He was aware of the pains. He was aware of what he was losing and missing out on. And so this punishment, and a lot of people go, well, God, how can God be so cruel? Well, he's not being cruel. He is giving people, the, he's given us a choice during our lifetime to say, follow him or don't follow him and when we choose not to follow him the consequences follow he is a righteous perfect judge and he will give them what they what they've asked for and what they deserve and there is no mercy at the at the white throne judgment there is no okay i'm gonna i'm gonna be lenient on you because they made their decision we get mercy as christians because we have to just stand before the bema seat and the beam of seed is where we will be, where our works will be judged, and we will receive our rewards that go with us into heaven. And that's as far as we go as Christians, because our sins have been covered by Jesus Christ. We're right, you know. God looks at us, and we're righteous. And He takes our works, and He just throws them in the oven and burns burns up all the wood, hay, and stubble, and, and gives us our rewards. And then He gives us a mansion to go live in, you know, some kind of sweet room, you know, a, a room in the in the in the New Jerusalem for to live in. Or a suite of rooms, depending on how much we've earned uh, by letting him work through us. So all of this comes down to there's, there's a problem out there, an eternal problem for those who reject Jesus Christ. And for us as Christians, that should motivate us. We're not going there, but we shouldn't be so, ha you know, we shouldn't be so sedate and say, well, I'm not going to hell, so it doesn't matter. I'm going to heaven and I'm not going to hell, so it doesn't matter what what everybody else happens, we should be motivated to reach out and share the gospel with others because they're, they've got an eternity that they don't want to go to, and it's coming. Everything is almost always blamed on God. Everything is wrong in my life because it's God's fault. Well, no, he's, God is trying to get your attention and trying to say, you know, hey, 
turn your life around and come to me. And we will look at it and say, well, God, you're, it's all your fault. All these bad things are happening because you're not blessing me. God is not going to bless a sinful person. And when, even in Christians, if we, walk, if we turn away from God and we start living a sinful lifestyle or a lifestyle that rejects him, he's going to send discipline into our life. That discipline usually means losing something. He also sends tests into our life. You know, so this is why we, I've always said, when bad things happen to us, the very first thing we have to look at is, am I being disciplined? Do I deserve what I'm getting because of decisions I've made that aren't righteous and godly? And if I say, yes, that's true, then I, then I repent, confess what I've done to God, and turn around and, and come back to him. And suffer the consequences because there's always consequences you sow seed you you reap you reap now if i look at it and say well no i don't see any sin in my life for for being this cause then i'm going okay god what are you trying to teach me <laughs> or what are you trying to say did i learn because again remember i've said if you're if you're learning about love you're going to have people that are hard to love if you're learning about forgiveness you're going to have people that are hard doing things to you that need to be forgiven and so that would be the next step. You know, am I, God, are you trying to, number one, teach me, or are you testing me to see if I've really learned the lesson? Job went through all of that, okay? And Job's friends all came with that same accusation. God, uh, Job, you're, you must have done something really awful because only bad people get judged like this. And jo uh, Jonah, yeah. Job had lots of problems trying to figure out because he's going, no, I've offered my sacrifices. I've... You know, when I've sinned, I've offered sacrifices. I'm good with God. I, I don't deserve, you know, don't deserve what's happened. So we see there can be any of those numbers of things. And God is working on that test. He will test us. First, it can be punishment, and that's the first place we need to look at. And then, is it a test? Is it, a, is it saying, do I really believe? Have I learned something? Is he trying to teach me something? We, the greatest thing that we can keep in mind is... God is in control. If you can really truly believe in your heart that God is in control, anything that happens to you is in his hands and by his, by his will. And you, should, and you can learn to not fight it. Are you going to be perfect at it? Absolutely not. But if, the more you learn that he is in control, nothing happens that he's not aware of or allowing, the more peace you have in everything that comes your way. Because you just look at it and say, okay, God, I may not understand why, why this is happening, but it didn't surprise you. You are sovereign. And the more we can do that in our, in our life, the more peace and contentment we will have. The more we sit there and try to fight against it, we will be discontent, we will be no peace, and fighting against what happens. So... It is really important for us. Learn to relax. Learn to just rest in God. It says that, you know, that it could be worse or it's got a reason. You know, uh, and that is important as well. It, there is a reason. The, the point is that we need to look at is what is that reason, you know. And God may or may not tell us what the reason is. Because it's not his business to necessarily tell us what the reason is. Because it might not be for us to need to know. The reason could be just simply he wants to see. He is using us just like he did with Job and saying, have you, hey, Satan, have you considered my servant? My servant, and place your name in there. Because there's times when we're going to be the one that's on the witness stand in heaven between God and Satan. Have you considered my servant, Ralph? Have you considered, you know, and put your name in there? And you're going to have hard times just because you're on the witness stand in heaven for, for God blessing and God and Satan's you know accusing and God says okay you can let you can try them you can test them and when we fail he loves us and gives us grace and restores us and when we pass it's that good witness on the witness stand and God says thank you and blesses us even more he blesses us either way whether we fail or we or we pass the the test he will bless us because we're his children and he wants to bless us. And we have to learn to recognize those blessings. So we look at all of this and say, God, you are in control. And I can 
tell you, if you will just start really accepting that God is in control, then it really makes it easier to be content. Because I'm not the one in control. I heard one, one person said, the one thing he learned in, in, in seminary was, there's only one God and he wasn't in, him. <laughs> we all need to learn that lesson. There's only one God and each one of us is not him. <laughs> okay, Most of us want to try to run at least our part of the universe. Uh, you know, whatever part that I live in, I want to kind of control it. And we have that tendency. The more we allow God to be God in all of our life and just say, God, okay, you, you have your reasons. You'll be more and more content. You won't be fighting against God. You'll be saying, okay, God, you can show me. And you know, it's going to be amazing when God shows us all the blessings that we have because of what, he's, what we've allowed him to do in our life. And the greatest blessings that I can ever think of are the little blessings that somebody doesn't think is important. The little things that you do for somebody just because you, you want to, and it's not even, not even a big deal to you, but it blesses somebody else. Remember a story about a little missionary girl. Uh, she wanted a doll. You know, that's all she wanted. She just wanted a doll. They, they, and her father's going, well, we don't have the money for a doll. They were in Africa or someplace. And she said, well, maybe God will give me a doll in the next missionary box that comes in. You know, and he goes, well, I wouldn't count on it because usually they didn't think of the kids at all. And somebody back home on, on, on that one box when the girl wanted a doll so bad and was praying for it, put a doll in there. And it's amazing the little things that can be out there. When I was in high school, we made up a box for a group of missionaries in Finland. And somebody put a case of peanut butter in the box that was being sent to them. And everybody was laughing at it. Why are you putting peanut butter in there? And they go, well, God, I just felt God telling me to put peanut butter in there. Well, in their letter back from us, all they could talk about was the case of peanut butter. <laughs> okay. it, meant nothing, it meant nothing to us in America to, to buy peanut butter. But where they were at, peanut butter was like gold. It, it was something they all wanted it. They were Americans. They wanted peanut butter. And the price of peanut butter was just something they could not justify buying. So this person did something that was so simple, being laughed at, but yet it was the thing that brought the blessing to the, to the people who received it. How many times have you been blessed by somebody just doing something very simple and kind in your life, and you were greatly blessed by it, and they probably didn't think anything of it. They were just being kind to you and doing something that was, didn't mean anything to them. And this happens all the time in, the, in, in our world. And we were, when we get to heaven, we're going to see at the Bema Seat all those times where that little thing that we didn't even think twice about is going to be a blessing to somebody else. And, they are going, and it's going to be rewarded in heaven. And it's going to be, and we're going to look at all those things and we're going to go, what's the big deal? I was just... You know, I had something that I shared, or I had something that I gave, or I just spoke some kind word. And God's going to say, yes, and you're going to be rewarded for it. Those are the ones where we're really going to be rewarded. You know, a lot of us think, you know, well, I'm not the singer in front of the church, or the teacher, or the preacher. You know, I don't have anything. As long as you're being faithful, God's got some rewards up there for you. And it's going to surprise you the rewards that you get. The, the time you... Just said a kind word to somebody when they were really down. How many times have you had somebody that just spoke something to you and they were just kind to you when you were really miserable and you left their presence feeling really good? That simple kind word that cost them nothing and they probably didn't even remember know that they said it. <laughs> they were just being kind. They'll be rewarded for. You took it as a great blessing. It maybe, maybe really revealed your, you know, turned your whole week around possibly and those little things will be the rewards that we see in heaven I think we're going to be shocked when we get to heaven and we see those rewards we're going to be shocked when we say well God that wasn't anything special I've had times when I've done that somebody says oh you blessed me so much I'm going what did I do you know all I, all I did was you know give you some food or you know it wasn't that big a deal I had a it was a big sale, you know, it was a good sale at the store and I was able to buy you something or, 
or you know, we're just kind to them, and they and they just you know, little things that we're going to be blessed for, because God's sovereignty is going to bless us, and we're going to see all the little things that we did, because sometimes when we know that we've done something, we get proud, we get that pride about it, and God says, okay, you've had your reward, you took the credit for it, but I'm going to love. It's going to be wonderful when we stand there and he says, oh, here's the little thing you did. Here's the little thing you did. Here's your little thing you did. Some people who are just kind to others may have the most rewards of anybody in heaven, and people would have never known all the rewards they have because of just the little things they did to change people's lives. And this is why we have to be very careful when we judge ourselves and say, well, who am I in God's kingdom? I feel so, I mean, a lot of times I hear that from people and I'm, and I'm thinking, don't you realize how kind you are and how loving you've been to people and you've built them up and you've done these little things for people all over the place? And I wonder sometimes how much reward they really have in heaven that they have no clue of because they just don't think they're special. And God says, you have touched so many lives. You've been kind. You've done, you know, you've given, you, you've given of your your." your substance, you've, you've given kind words, you've loved people. Do we realize, really realize how hard it is to love people? For most of us as Christians, we, we, we tend to kind of take it for granted because we're around love a lot more than the rest of the world. But if we are out in the world, you're out in the workplace, you're out around, you know, if you've got family that aren't saved, and you start looking around and seeing how difficult it is to find love, and I mean real love, not the infatuation and everything, but real love where people care. And yet, in, as Christians, we get a little jaded about it because we see it in the Christian world, in a good church, in a good, good group, we see it frequently. And we kind of get jaded about how really rare it is. And this is one of the things I'm learning as I'm dealing with these prisoners is, is how my world has been really different from their world and listening to their stories and listening to some of them that talk about how they're looking forward to getting out because of the, now that they're a Christian and, and seeing how their life has changed, they're looking forward to getting out and you know living a life that's going to be different. All these little things that go on and being able to say we live in a, we live in a different world. We live in a spiritual world. We live in a world where God is ruling and because we're filled with God, we tend to show his character more. We are more honest. We are more loving. Even if we're not perfect examples of it, we are more loving. We are more caring. We are more truthful. We're supposed to be. And we're supposed to be. And, we, and even if we're not good examples of it, we still are better at it than the world is without God in their hearts and lives. And the more we walk with God, the more we become like him, and the more we show it out. And the more we notice that we need to walk better. <laughs> and the more we realize we need yeah. to do better. Yeah. But you know, even when we know we need to do better, there's still that level that we're so much farther than the world is in each of those areas. And it's very critical because we have a new life. We're showing out God, which is also why the world hates us because we bring God into the situation, we bring love into the situation, and we live differently than the world. The world does not want to love. Well, may want to love, but doesn't love usually. They, they, they use a conditional love. I'll love you as long as I can get something back from you or get something from this relationship. And God's love is, I'm just going to give because I want what's best for you. And this is why when, when people get married and they don't put God in the center of their marriage, they've lost. Because the world will tell you that a marriage is 50-50. But what they really want is, I want everything that you can give me, and I don't want to give you anything. Okay? They'll tell you the perfect marriage is 50-50. God's way for marriage is you give 100% to, to each other and you don't expect anything in return. And if you have that attitude, how are you disappointed? If your attitude is, I'm going to do everything I can to bless my spouse, how are you going to be disappointed? Because you're not expecting back. And when you get it back, it's a great blessing. And it's the same way in, in our relationship with God. 
God doesn't owe us a thing. Okay, the only actor he owes us one. Yeah. He, he actually owes us one thing, and that's hell. But that's not what he gives us as as believers. He doesn't owe us anything, and yet he pours on us lavishly his love. Starting with Jesus, Jesus dying on the cross. Beyond that, though, how many blessings does God give us in each day? You know, he doesn't owe us a thing, and yet he blesses us every day richly. He lets us wake up every morning until we get to go home with him. He, he keeps us fed. He brings us in contact with people to give us love. He, allows, he keeps oxygen in the atmosphere so that we can breathe. He keeps the sun shining. Do you realize that... He keeps my legs going. Keeps our legs going. <laughs> Do you realize that the very atoms themselves are held together by God? If God lost concentration for just a second, for a nanosecond, he lost concentration on holding everything together, the whole world would just collapse. And his second is probably 10 years for our, I'm just saying, because his second is not our second. But just the power of everything that he does for us. How much does he love us? And we're looking at the, the new heaven and new earth with everything being recreated and perfect. We don't deserve it, and yet he's going to give it to us. We don't deserve the rooms that he's given us in the mansion, and yet he's given it to us. We don't even deserve to be there, period, and he's doing it. And not even to consider the future. All the blessings he's giving us in this world. I've said this before. There's a question that Ray Crawford, uh, who does a lot of evangelism, asks. He uses. He goes, the question is to ask, what if you're wrong? Okay, somebody who believes in, in different religions. So what would the consequence be if you were wrong? You know, the one thing about a Christian, if you're really living a Christian life. I'm not wrong. Well, even if, again, we're not wrong, but even if we're wrong, I have not had any disappointments in this life. Because I've been blessed so much. So I have been blessed. so blessed. I have been at peace. I have had joy most of my life and and almost everything i do even if there wasn't a heaven i have not been deprived in this world of anything okay now i know that i'm not wrong because because i know god but even if for any reason i'm, not I'm not i have i am not yeah. disappointed with the life that i have lived and the blessings that god has given me most people are most people have not had a life that they would be willing to say they're happy with. Or, but we know that God has blessed us in such a way that we've been, been joyful, at peace. And then we've got heaven to wait to look forward to beyond that. The blessings he gives us in this world are not even earned, are not, does not belong to us. He has just chosen by grace to give us all these blessings. Grace is the most wonderful thing that he has given us. And we need to really start understanding grace. His amazing <coughs> grace is not just salvation. His amazing grace is all of the blessings he has given us, the peace that passes understanding, the joy in our heart that he gives us because of our of our hope of eternity and our, and our peacefulness and, and contentment with him, the contentment he gives us, the way he meets our needs. He makes me laugh <laughs> So, but his grace, that he reaches down and rescues us out of any situation we're in, we're in the middle of and says, I'm going to put you on a solid place. I'm going to rescue you from any, anything that it is that you've been going through. And he says, I love you. Do you realize the power of being loved by God? A way to be able to start a, a, a witnessing with somebody? Just tell them that God loves them. Most of the time they're going to say, oh no, God wouldn't love me. You know, and give you all kinds of reasons. They go, no, God loves you. And then let them think about that for a while. A lot of times they'll ask you to explain why does God love them. And then you get a chance to give the gospel. Otherwise, you just start them thinking, does God really love me? Most of us started with that idea in our mind when we heard the gospel. 
is it really true that God loves me? Well, everybody knew that. No, not everybody. Knew. There are a lot of people who don't believe that God loves them. Lots of people out there don't believe that God loves them. Most of us, before we got saved, didn't believe that God loved us. Many Christians, before they truly turn their whole life over to God, don't believe that God loves them. I went to Sunday school. <laughs> but, but there's a difference between knowing that God loves you and really, know, and, and really knowing that God loves you. Okay, And this is pretty much the same difference between knowing about Jesus. Okay, The demons know about Jesus, but they're not going to get saved. Many people know about Jesus. They may even know that he died. They might even know that he died for their sins, but they don't believe it and truly believe it. It's just facts that they know. And he says, you need to believe. And that belief is one that says, I put my whole trust in what I believe. And there's an old story, and we'll end with this one, about a tightwalk roper who was crossing, and they say the Niagara Falls, but I don't know what it was. And, and he walked back and forth, and he goes, now how, who believes that I can run this wheelbarrow over? And he goes back and forth with the wheelbarrow. Who believes that I can do, have somebody sitting in this wheelbarrow and do it? And everybody goes, oh, yeah, yeah, you can do it. Go, who wants to do it? And nobody's willing to do it. That's the kind of belief. Oh, yeah, we believe you can do it, you know, and, and we believe God. But unless you're willing to step forward and say, yes, I truly believe and I'm willing to act on that belief, we don't believe. And this is the belief that it takes to be saved. I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I deserve hell, and I'm going to put all my faith in Jesus because there's no other way. And then until we get that kind of absolute belief that I will put myself in his control... I am not saved because it's just a head knowledge of information. But when we put ourselves in his control, oh, the blessings that we receive, oh, the joy that we get, that passes understanding, how calm and content we can be because everything is in his hand. And we realize that it's in his hand and he's in control and we step forward. And all it is is that recognition, I'm a sinner, I deserve punishment, and Jesus paid for it, and he's got a gift. A gift. If we think we have to earn it, we're in trouble. <laughs> if we think we've got to do something, we, we're not right, right there. But it's all his amazing grace. It's a, Jesus finished the work on the cross. He paid for all the sin. He paid for everything that needs to be done to get us into heaven. That's all finished. Sin is paid for. We just need to accept the gift. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity we have to just think about your amazing love, your amazing grace. And we ask you to go with us as we go forward in this day. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.